0: Wednesday evening everybody and welcome to the porch of AllQuest baseball podcast with VFL and home run king Luke Lipsius every single week heading into the weekend series right here at volquest.com and as always it is presented by our friends Spivey King and Spivey LLP Matthew A. Spivey J. Matt King Richard A. Spivey you got a problem let them find a solution for you TN trial lawyer specializing in criminal defense family law and personal injury you can see him in person at 142 Cherokee Street, Kingsport, Tennessee, or give them a call for a free consultation. That's at 423 425 4185, or visit them online at Spivey King and Spivey Big thanks to Spivey King and Spivey LLP for making the porch possible each and every week. How about this? What a difference a week can make? You know, going in, previewing that Vanderbilt series, coming off three straight series losses at LSU, at home against Florida, at Arkansas. You were swept at arkansas you dropped a midweek affair and again midweek's not real baseball but still to tennessee tech it was the way you lost it i mean things were doom and gloom and we were doing math and trying to get in there okay tennessee needs to do this and this and this in order to make the regional field to play without having to go on a run in hoover or winning the tournament outright and sure we're still mathing a little bit but Man, getting a series sweep over Vanderbilt, the number 4 team at the time in the country, now just the number 5 team in the country, big drop, right? Um, that really did wonders, and it wasn't just picking up a series win and a series sweep. It was the way you did it. Man, you're Tennessee. You tried to bully your rival, your little brother, if you will, in Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt baseball is, is incredible. It's got such a great history. Tim Corbin has done so much in the SEC. He's made a lot of enemies, no doubt. But you can't dispute that Vanderbilt baseball has been the cream of the crop of the SEC for you know years and years and years. It, it just has. And sure, I mean, LSU is great and Arkansas is in a great position and Florida is always good. You know, Tennessee has been good here of late. But it's always testy between those two programs, the in-state foes, Tennessee and Vanderbilt. And Vanderbilt was coming in with so much momentum. Tennessee was coming in with no momentum having lost four games in a row for the first time since 2016, for the first time under Tony Vitello, and you find a way to win that Friday game when, and I've said this a couple of times this week, and I will promise I'll stop saying it again, like, it, it they, they were win or lose, they played their best game on Friday, I thought. You know, putting the ball in play, playing great defense, pitching well, and then the way you want it, breaking through, coming and tying the ball game in the ninth inning, winning it in walk-off fashion, chase Burns on the mound there in the extras. I mean, that... You look back, hopefully, if Tennessee continues to finish this thing off the way they need to, and you say that's the turning point. But it's big because now you know you can win a game that way. Tennessee walked it off on a sack fly against Texas A&M earlier in the season. I remember Tony Botello saying in that post game conversation, you know, it's big because now we know we can win that way. Um, down two runs in the ninth inning, coming back, a couple solo home runs, walk-off hit, and again, everything that happened on that Friday night, you know you can win like that and you never really out and i just think that's so big for this team carried over into saturday when tennessee just absolutely bullied vanderbilt bullied vanderbilt and then sunday getting that series sweep uh you know in game three so what a weekend for tennessee incredible weekend for tennessee and now it shifts to a little bit of an easier portion of the schedule right Georgia's done some things this year. That's coming up next week, and that'll be on the road, and that'll be a challenge, and we'll discuss that. You come back home from Kentucky, then you're at South Carolina. It just feels like there's never a breather in that, in the Southeastern Conference schedule. But this weekend, there could be. However, when you think like that and you're in that line of thinking, that's maybe when you get tripped up. I mean, Tennessee has not played consistent enough all year long to take anybody lightly. We know Tennessee has the talent. We know Tennessee has the ingredients, the pitching the bats in the lineup. The bats now on the bench. Uh, the bullpen. We know Tennessee's. All, it, Tennessee's always had that. It's just a matter of coming together at the right time and 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 not self imploding and 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 beating yourself. Um, you you can't look at this Mississippi State series as a breather or a gimme because that's when you'll get beat. Having said all that, Mississippi State is not a good ball club. Just not twenty four and seventeen on the season. Six and twelve in SEC play did win. It's you know whatever that game they call it every single year in the midweek when they play Ole Miss. They won that earlier this week. Uh, They fell on the road at Auburn last week, two games to three. Um, It's a ball club that has really struggled to find pitching all year long. And and I think, and at the time of this recording, I haven't got the probable starters yet for Mississippi State, but I think they'll roll out three. Well, two right-handers and a guy that can pitch with both arms, and Kate Smith on Friday, on Thursday night, Landon Gartman on Saturday, and guys, I'm not even going to attempt to say this guy's name. I haven't heard it. Um, maybe I'll try it in the post-game Craven Wings to uh, you know extra innings there on Saturday night. But Gerangelo uh, Cinci. Sen- is the freshman guy that can throw with both arms, right and left, and and he's made each of the past two Sunday starts in game three. So, you know, we'll see exactly what that rotation looks like, but regardless, Mississippi State has had horrible, horrible outings from its starters all season long, and a couple of those guys are really not pitching well to begin with. And the more you look into bullpen ERA as well, one of the worst in the Southeastern Conference. The lineup is not bad for Mississippi State, to be completely honest. Um They've got, let's see here, they got the fifth highest batting average in the league at 293. That's above Tennessee, mind you. Uh, they have the fifth highest on-base percentage in the league at 409. They average almost eight runs a ball game, which is not bad. You know, and so the offense really isn't that big of an issue. Hunter Hines has the power in the order. He's got 18 home runs, 51 rebates on the season. He's also hitting 319 at the plate. That's the second highest average on the team. You've got Colton Ledbetter, who was the all-conference second team preseason nod in, in terms of the all SEC teams. He leads the squad with a 324 batting average, 43 runs scored. He's driven in 45 runs. He's stolen 15 bases. He's a really, really good player. Um Amani Larry is the guy that leads the team with 16 stolen bases. They got two guys you got to watch out for on the base pass. Uh Amani Larry and Colton Ledbetter. Colton Ledbetter is Let's see here. 15 of 16 on the season in stolen bases. Amani Larry is 16 of 18 on the season in stolen bases. And the latter is hitting 311 at the plate as well. uh, Kellum Clark, who's a guy that's been around for a little bit. Um, He usually hits first or second in the order, but he's got 10 home runs driven in almost 30 runs on the season. Dakota Jordan, a preseason all-conference guy. Or, excuse me, Logan Jordan. One more time. Third time's a charm. Dalton Jordan, who's an outfielder, and then preseason all-conference catcher Luke Hancock are two other guys in the lineup that are hovering around a 300 batting average. So the hitting's not really been the issue for Mississippi State. It's been the arms. It's been the pitching, and Tennessee just needs to take advantage of that in the worst way. So um, that's what's in front of you, and I, I meant to ask this to Luke. I would already recorded with Luke, and uh, I meant to ask him if he's ever uh, – played against a guy that can throw, you know, with both arms. And and the guy that, you know, for, for Mississippi State, Jorangelo, uh, I'll stick to a, a first-name basis here because I can't pronounce his last name, and I believe that's how you pronounce his name, Gerangelo. Um, He went right, right-handed throwing exclusively a couple weeks ago. I'm not sure kind of where he is in terms of, um, you know, pitching with his left hand here lately, what he did last weekend. But I do know when they played Alabama a couple weeks ago, and I think the game after that, he just kept it throwing right handed, but he's got a glove, and essentially a right handed batter comes up, he'll throw with his left hand. A left handed batter comes up, he'll throw with his right hand. I don't think you can change mid at bat, but you can change batter to batter. Um, and then, you know, what a weapon, right? I mean, his ERA is not great, but a true freshman, he does lead the team in strikeouts. He walks a lot, and his ERA is almost sitting at six. And so. Uh, believe it or not, that's not the worst ERA in the starting rotation this weekend. So, really talented guy, but Tennessee just needs to buckle in and continue to have quality at bats, see some pitches, work deep into counts, and then make it work. I mean, Tuesday's midweek win over Bellarmine—first of all, what a complete waste of freaking time! A complete waste of time. If you guys are following along in the uh, game game thread, you guys know my my role. Typically, I mean, we're about forty-five games into the season, right? Where you know, I'm I'm doing the play-by-play pretty strong, and then stuff happens, and you don't hear from me for a little bit because I'm riding. Then I'll come back and hang out, and towards the end of the game, I'm I'm gone for a while because, again, I'm riding and getting, getting everything ready uh, to have you know published at least the how it happened as soon as that last out is made. But, I mean, that, that Tuesday game earlier this week, I mean, we're just sitting there, we're crying, we're making fun of Ron Schumper, we're hanging out, just having a, a good old time in the press box because it was just so boring. Tennessee... Scored a run in the first, two in the second, third, and fourth, four runs in the fifth, sixth, and seventh. I mean, just chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And it's just so annoying. Complete waste of time. But anyway, you just continue to chip away offensively and work deep into accounts and get some guys, you know, off the bench. Ryan Miller was awesome. And I, I thought Tony had a pretty interesting quote about, you know, guys like Reese Chapman and Ryan Miller, who have not seen the light of day hardly at all, especially in Southeastern Conference play. Had uh, you know really good ball games. Ryan Miller, a couple three run home runs, and Reese Chapman had a home run as well on Tuesday. And the question was asked, you know, are they going to kind of kind of force your hand a little bit to see some playing time? And and Tony was just like, yeah, I mean, especially after tonight. So we'll see if that eventually happens. But I mean, it makes you feel good that you have even more options that you can use as pinch hitters or late inning substitutions for Reese Chapman's case. Um, You know, it's it's a really really good problem to have. So. Anyway, it seems like things are going well for Tennessee, and they're starting to look more and more like what they can be instead of what they've been so far this season. Uh, timely hitting. You know, guys, I wrote in the 3-2-1 earlier this week. Just uh, just incredible what Tennessee was able to accomplish in comparison to what, uh, how bad it was at, at Arkansas. Uh, if you remember at Arkansas, Tennessee was 1-for-22 uh, with runners in scoring position, 4-for-43 with runners on base. This past weekend against Vanderbilt, Tennessee was 11 for 29 with runners in scoring positions, 16 of 44 with runners on base. That's a 379 average and a a 363 average. You take that every single day of the week. Um, Tennessee was also really good with two outs. (coughs) Excuse me, guys. Uh, Tennessee was also really good with two outs, 12 for 25. Uh, in the last two games of the series with two outs tennessee's first 12 runs and saturday's run roll victory all came with two outs as did sunday's first five runs so that timely hitting was great and great and great to see seems like tony vatel is going to stick with the three guys in in his rotation you know a, a day is not that big of a deal uh he, he believes he's going to stay with andrew lindsey on the opener chase dolander for game two and then drew beam uh, in in Game Three, and then have Chase Burns and Seth Halverson and Cannon Sewell um, all available to come in and give you whatever you need out of the bullpen, and then you know some of those specialists like uh, Kirby Connell you know Jake Fitzgibbons have been working in there a little bit right now, Bryce Jenkins, um, Jacob Bimby, uh, the, those type of guys. So uh, we'll see what happens. What a great opportunity for Tennessee this weekend, uh, a team that you should beat, you should have a series win, a team that you very easily could have a series sweep, but you know, sweeps are just, they're at a premium in this league because, you know, everybody, even despite your record, have pretty good ball clubs, right? Got good ball players. And so we'll see what happens. The Volunteers have an opportunity at eight and 10 in Southeastern Conference play to exit the weekend, a game over 500 at 11 and 10. Uh, If you win the series, but still lose one game, you'll still leave the series with a game below 500 in SEC play at 10 and 11. But It doesn't really matter right now, right? I mean, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Tony was making fun of that phrase a couple of weeks ago because who would want to be an elephant? And I agree with him. But you can't worry about, you know, Southeastern Conference schedules and all that this weekend. You just go out there and win the series. Just win the series and win the series. Been asked a couple of times this week about, uh, a couple of times in the Mailbag podcast, a couple of times on the board, you know, what's it going to take for drawing and tears to... To, to work their bats in the order on a more consistent basis and guys i'm with you i mean i i, I talked about this in the 3-2-1 as well i mean my uh my stance is tennessee's best offensive lineup without a doubt is with jared dickey behind the plate uh, that way you can give tears and drawing opportunities in the outfield um i understand why they're going with cal stark he's a better defensive catcher than dickey because he's an actual catcher and he's not a part-time player and dickey the fact that Dickey has given you as many innings and, and pitches behind the plate this year is, is incredible because when he hurt his hand in the fall, that was it. He was an outfielder. It, it, he would catch some bullpens, but he, he was an outfielder. And then he came in and, and started giving you a, a little bit in that midweek, and then ultimately, I think it was LSU, you know he was behind the plate. And so just trying things. And the fact that he was able to do that uh, was was incredible to begin with. But Cal Stark is a better defensive catcher. He's doing a good job working with the pitchers, and he's giving you competitive enough at-bats to where the staff is fine with him hitting. Plus, they're obsessed with balance, and he's a right-handed bat, so I get it. But Dickey's going to be in the outfield. Hunter is going to be in the outfield. And Christian Scott's going to be in the outfield. And I understand Christian Scott doesn't have as much pop as all the others, but going in, and this isn't saying much, I get it, but going into SEC, going into the Vanderbilt series, Christian Scott was one of your better hitters in SEC play. He had a big two-run double uh, over the weekend. He got on base a couple of times, ran the base as well. Of course, he went off in the midweek, but who didn't? Um, he plays good defense, he's good on the base pass, and he's hitting well enough. And so Christian Scott ain't going nowhere. And so you're in a position now to where one of those guys, whether it be Kavar's tears, Griffin Merritt. Dylan Drowling will get a DH start, okay, um, and they can work themselves into the outfield. But you know, one of that mixture will be hitting every game because there's a DH. That means you're guaranteeing two of those guys are on the bench that can come out and hit for you late in ball games. Worked out well on Friday night, right? It just goes to show you that you have depth and you feel really, really good about your depth. And so, um, it's a good problem to have. But I don't think Christian Scott's going anywhere because he plays good defense. He runs the base as well, and he's hitting good enough right now to stay in the lineup. Uh, I still think Dylan Allen deserves more bats. He is so good. And Kavar's tears has you know, arguably the most pop on the team. Um, it's tough, but I, I understand kind of where they're coming from. So uh, we'll see. Um, what, what, a, what a change of scenery this is for Tennessee. Played incredible defense over the weekend. Uh, the fans, if you guys were in attendance, shout out to you guys. Just so engaged knew what was going on um there's a lot of times you go to baseball games around america and minor league and other colleges or you know for that matter other sports as well and you have people that show up but people that don't really know what's going on i mean that's why like the atmospheres and everyone's different but arkansas lsu they're so good because you know those fan bases are used to winning and so they know what's going on and Boy, this past week, I mean, the fan base is always great here at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. Don't get me wrong. It's always really, really good. But this past weekend, it's just something that stood out to me. I mean, the standing ovation to the guy on Sunday or Saturday, maybe whenever, (laughs) standing ovation and waving goodbye was hilarious. The environment at Lindsey Nelson Stadium last weekend was really, really good. So shout out to that. Uh, Weather could be a factor going into this weekend. I've asked about contingency plans and guys, it's really just on an hour by hour basis because, you know, we live in East Tennessee and the weather changes by the hour right or really by the minute Um, they're going to do everything they can to get these three games in because number one they always want to but number two you need these games wholeheartedly if you're Tennessee you need them and so they're going to do whatever they can keep in mind two of these games are on television you got the SEC network on Thursday and you've got ESPNU on Saturday the other streamed on the SEC network plus so they'll have a a say in kind of how that works out but double headers very well could happen whether that's two on Friday, whether that's two on Saturday, to try to avoid the rain, I don't know, uh, but we will see. So uh, we'll see what's going on. We got Luke Lipsius coming up next here on the porch, and uh, Tennessee is set to host uh, Mississippi State this coming weekend and a chance to really make a move in hopes of getting to the lucky number fourteen in SEC play. Regardless of what happens this weekend, you still need to go and win these series. You need to go win on the road at Georgia. You need to win at home against Kentucky. Need to go win at South Carolina. You need to win these series, but we'll get a really good picture, of kind of what actually needs to happen after the series with Mississippi State. Uh, Luke Lipsius is coming up next right here on the porch. The first one to remind you guys about our friends Matthew A. Spivey, J. Matt King, and Richard A. Spivey. That is Spivey King and Spivey LLP, specializing in criminal defense, family and uh, family law, and personal injury. Examples of such can be DUI, homicide, assault. Um, you got personal injuries such as car wrecks, accidents, divorce, custody, alimony, uh, parental rights, all that type of stuff from these guys. Over 80 years of combined experience, Spivey King and Spivey LLP provides representation throughout the state and federal courts in Northeast Tennessee. The firm has a vast amount of trial experience. Practice has been in place for 43 years with this partnership since 2012, while also having partners who are energized for today's modern legal demands. Practicing primarily in Northeast Tennessee, the Tri Cities of Sullivan County, as well as Hawkins County, Washington County, and surrounding areas, the firm has won multiple awards and has attorneys who are rated by super lawyers in the Mid South with real trial experience. Whether you're injured in a car accident, need help with a divorce, help with custody of your children, or have been accused of a crime, Spivey King and Spivey LLP is here to help you. Go see them today at 142 Cherokee Street, Kingsport, Tennessee. 423-245-4185. That's 423-245-4185 for a free consultation or visit them online at King and King and LLP.com. Problem. Let them find a solution for you. That's TN Trial Lawyers. Spivey King and Spivey LLP. Luke first time in a while man we got a whole lot to talk about some good things to talk about and it was kind of maybe throwback Thursday transformation Tuesday whatever you want to call it Tennessee looked like Tennessee again uh sweeping Vanderbilt a much needed series win icing on the cake was that win on Sunday to the sweep them Uh, but you needed to win in the worst way you got three of them and you didn't just beat them; you bullied them. I mean, Tennessee looked like Tennessee of old. How good was that to see this weekend? I know you were in attendance, and you were rep in your own jersey. The biggest power <laughs> move I think I've ever seen.
1: Um, yeah. So first off, like you said, just the the crucialness of this series for us to win. Um, we we can't um, hype that up enough. You know, we we needed this, um, and they pulled through. You know, like you said, they looked like the team that they're supposed to be and that they can be. And we finally saw a little bit of fight in them, you know, going going into the last inning, down two runs against a very quality Bandy pitching staff and a very very quality closer, and to pull something like that out, you know, it's it's one of those games where if we look back and Tennessee does something crazy this season, that's the game that switched the season up for them, Um, and so that's one of those things that I really hope to see that this series kind of rockets them through the rest of the season, doing so well. Yeah, they, uh, they really showed out for me on, on Saturday, you know, 17-1, to 1, that offensive explosion, um, that was just fun to watch, you know, a lot of offense. And I think it's – I was told by some people that um, they've been hanging out a little bit more, so, you know, maybe the chemistry is getting there and they're actually playing for each other instead of just for themselves, whatever it is, um, regardless of what's going on. I am so happy to see it. I felt like I was gonna cry in the stadium, you know, it was it was all emotional and stuff. Um, especially when uh, when they that little scuffle happened towards the end of that Saturday game, I was about ready to jump down on the field. <laughs>
0: all right, let's talk about that real quick. I mean, theres a whole lot to talk about, but I'm glad you brought that up. You have a seventeen to one ball game. It's you know, they're about to get run rule by 16 uh, Tennessee's three outs away and you give a little little bump there to to Chase Dolander on the first base bag you know it was definitely a little bit more you saw the arms extended I mean there's frustration there from Vanderbilt I get it but you got Christian Moore that runs in there and you know that's typical I feel like but good on him I thought it was needed and and sticking up for your not just your teammate but but your guy I mean that's your ace right and you're getting up there and you know coaches get in between I mean in my opinion it was really nothing in fact, I mean Vanderbilt's guys even got out of the dugout. They didn't rush the field or anything, but they stepped out of the dugout. That should be an automatic suspension right there. If you want to mm-hmm. get technical about it, but the fact that that crew suspended or ejected Christian Moore from that ball game, I thought was the softest thing in the world. Again, they were about to lose 16 runs, 17 to one run rule. I just thought it was incredibly soft. What did you think?
1: Yeah, I'd, it, like you said, incredibly soft. And again, um, I mentioned it when we were talking. Beforehand, but I I just think that there's this weird thing where all the umpires make stuff go Corbin's way. Um, you know, most teams aren't really allowed onto the field, but you see them stretching out left in between innings. So, you know, what's going on there? Um, from my vantage point, it was a dirty shove. You know, there's ways to run into someone um, when you're not trying to incite something. And so that's the whole reason they ejected Moore is because they thought that he was – trying to incite violence or whatever but we see vandy's guy still out there after he's out from hitting the pop-up he's still out there and he's running his mouth as much as seymour or christian is um and so it's one of those things where i I don't like how the umpires handled it it's just some chit chat let's call it between uh some really big rivals you know maybe vandy was really mad at the situation whatever but I think the umps had no business ejecting him. I love to see that fieriness from from Simo um, having his guys back. That's what you expect to see, you know, and and just let the dudes play. Let them ch- uh, chat it out, so to speak, um, as long as nothing gets violent, you know. Yeah,
0: I thought it was good to see. And ultimately, it didn't come back to hurt Tennessee. Uh, Moore was suspended for Sunday's game, which honestly, he's not playing at 100% right now with that foot. so it's probably good mm-hmm. for him. And he took a couple of innings off. On tuesday as well so tennessee got the win on sunday uh and, and that was that um but i just thought that was kind of quirky and kind of funny because if you're going to suspend anybody why not spend what or if you're going to eject anybody why not eject both and also yeah. there were about five players that got out of the dugout so i just thought that was kind of kind of unique but let's exactly. go back to friday you mentioned it there is and i couldn't agree more if things go the way tennessee wants them to go you look back on that game and say okay that's when it all changed even before the ninth inning i mean Tennessee. Didn't have many hits in the ball game, but they were putting balls in play hard. They were barreling mm-hmm. up balls. They were playing great defense. You got a really good outing from Andrew Lindsey. I was sitting there in the dugout, and I was texting some of my friends. I'm saying, hey, this is what SEC baseball and then Friday nights is all about right now. Win or lose, this might be Tennessee's best game of the season. And then seeing the way they won it, two home runs in ninth inning, Griffin Mayer walking it off in the 12th. I mean, what a game for Tennessee. And, and and what a much-needed, not just a win, but just a feeling of belief that Tennessee gave you.
1: Yeah, so um, at no point throughout that game did I think that we were ever really out of it. Like you said, the ABs were looking a lot better than they had been, and we were hitting balls hard just right to them. So you kind of felt that, that feeling like, hey, we still got this. There's a chance, and of course you get KT coming up. He is some of the most pop on the team, hits an absolute laser that I think went through the batter's eye. Um, and just doing that as a freshman in that in that situation, awesome. And then dryling, like, two outs, two strikes, and he picks out his little four iron, you know, and golf's one out to right field. Um, <laughs> that ball was on the ground. I don't know how he hit that, but it, it's just unbelievable that you get these two freshmen in this big of a situation to come through for you like that. And then you got Chase Burns, who I've never seen a more electric performance than what he did striking out seven of the nine batters he faced. You don't, you don't hear about that. You don't do that in three innings. Um, and so I think we'll see him stay in the the back end of that bullpen, you know, as that weapon um, for whenever we need, but yeah, and then Merritt walking it off. It was, it was one of those games that it's the reason you play, you know, it was so clean from start to finish and then it ended luckily the way we want it in a fashion that kind of gets us excited. And you see even the guys, you know, carrying it into Saturday, Sunday, and even this Tuesday game, they're looking like a, a better ball club, you know, just a, a more into it ball club, let's say.
0: Luke, did you ever pitch? I know you never pitched in Tennessee, but high school throughout your career. Have you ever been a pitcher?
1: Yeah, so I uh, I pitched in high school a lot. I actually threw two bullpens my sophomore year for Tennessee. Never ended up seeing the the field, probably for a good thing. Uh, but yeah, so I, I did used to pitch in high school.
0: When you come in, and I mean Burns' roles change now. Obviously, um, you can do a lot with him. You could start him in a regional, and if, if all that, if you need to, or in Hoover or whatever the case is, you can come in, piggyback a start. You can pitch the final three innings, you know, whatever. Um, but when you know you're coming in and your time is limited, uh, do you feel like you can just, you know, kind of ramp it up a little bit and say, all right, I'm going to throw hard? Because Chase Burns, he always throws hard. He had triple digits, I want to say, at least five times uh, in that outing. As you mentioned, struck out seven of the nine batter's face. The emotions, it just felt like he was literally giving it all for Tennessee that night. And Not that he doesn't in his starts, but knowing that, hey, I'm only going to get – an inning or two or whatever, I can I can ramp it up a little bit.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> that's exactly what he's doing. You know, when you start a game, you kind of have to reserve yourself a little bit um, while still going out there and, and you know, giving your most. Um, but in, when you're closing, where you're, when you're out of relief, that inning is could be your only inning. So you're going to do whatever you can to be the best that inning. Um, and then luckily for Burns, he's got the stamina from being a starter to carry that into the the rest of the innings but yeah and I mean you could tell that there was something inside him that was saying hey like I'm I'm gonna throw it hard you're gonna try to hit it you're not gonna hit it you know it was it was just so fun to watch
0: all right so the Arkansas series was horrific with runners in scoring position and with runners on base against uh, Vanderbilt it was completely different Tennessee was incredible Friday night two outs hitting was phenomenal I think you had nine runs in game two or Maybe it was Game Three, one of those early games. Can't remember. They all blurred together. But you had two, you had nine runs with two outs. That carried over to Tuesday a little bit as well. Um, is it as easy as just a flip of the switch? What's changed, I guess, from being that bad against Arkansas with runners on and runners in scoring position to being that clutch and effective in just a one week span?
1: Yeah, that's something that can't really be explained. You know, especially this late into the season. Usually, you see teams that either got it or don't. Um, and for that, fl- that switch to flip, like it did tells me that there's something going on mentally with that team that, um, something started clicking, you know, something happened in practice, uh, they got together, whatever chemistry, I don't know what it is. Uh, but just that feeling of, okay, like I'm going to get it done. And if I don't, the guy behind me will, whereas it seemed like early on when people's got, when people got in scoring position, it was like, oh my God, I got to do this. You know, it wasn't like. All right, I'm gonna do this. And and so I think <clears throat> it's it's finally a mentality that we see the elite teams have that do get it done with runners in scoring position. And um, you know, it carried through to the rest of the series and to Tuesday's game. Hopefully it'll carry through to this this Mississippi State series we got coming up.
0: How great was it to see some defense being played? I mean, some good I mean, man, Maui, um, if he's got a back problem, he didn't have it last weekend. He looked phenomenal. Chasing balls down deep in the five six hole, basket catches in shallow left field. SEMO had a glove flip to first base, a couple of nice catches in the outfield, and I feel like again, you know, when Tennessee's not beating itself, Tennessee's a pretty pretty good team. But you had it all in that series, especially on Friday, you know, hitting, clutch hitting, and then good defense. It was it, it was just it was different, uh, it, but it was obviously welcome because that's what they're capable of doing.
1: Yeah, you know, it was it was finally um, a pretty clean series. And so when I was on the <clears throat> playing infield for Tennessee, we would always stress clean sheets, and that's just a game with zero errors. And you know, I think it was if we got a clean sheet every game on the weekend, um, our infield coach would take us out to ice cream. I don't know what Ricky's doing for the boys, but uh, that's what we're going for, and we're stacking these sheets. <clears throat> and it's hard. To stack a sheet when you don't get them, you know, and so just yeah. seeing that they played a solid defense, not only making the average play but making the good plays too, we're just seeing a Tennessee team that looks like everyone thought they were going to look at the outset of the season.
0: All right, so Andrew Lindsey, another really quality start there to to open things up on Friday. <coughs> Chase Dolan, it goes the distance, albeit it was a uh, run ruled shortened game, and then Drew Beam. What a bounce back. Um, he's been so reliable for so for, for each of his two years, really, in that Sunday starting role. But for him to bounce back and look as good as he did compared to what he looked like against Arkansas the week before, phenomenal. Um it, it felt like I know it was just a short sample size, but everything was kind of clicking. And you know, what what did you think about Tennessee's starting rotation kind of two weeks into this new look?
1: Yeah, <clears throat> like you said, they they looked very good. You know, I think that um not so much that beam needed it, but you know, every everyone needs that that bad start to bounce back from, and then you kind of steady back out. So, um, I thought that was great to see. Dolly looked great. Lindsey, I think, is an elite starter, um, <clears throat> and so we're we're where we need to be going into the back half of the season. You know, as we approach um, Hoover, which is only close to three weeks away, you know, <clears throat> and then regional supers, hopefully beyond that, we're we're seeing that. Things are coming together. That confidence is building, and it's almost like we're getting hot at the right, uh, the right time. And now we just got to grab whatever we've got and ride it out to the end of the season. And and it's going to be on the backs of those big pitchers. And you see that they're, uh, they're probably feeling better too because they can finally trust their defense. You know that that little confidence boost to hey, I'll throw it. Uh, maybe I catch a little bit more white, and we're going to make the play behind me. It's it's just a it's one of those things where everyone feeds off of everyone.
0: You know, I've been asked this a lot, and I've written about it a, a couple of times in recent weeks, is you're kind of figuring out now, <clears throat> excuse me, you know, what your best options are. I think it's fairly obvious that Hunter Ensley's an outfielder for your team. I think it's fairly obvious that Christian Moore is an outfielder, not Christian Moore, Christian Scott is yeah, an outfielder <laughs> for your team. Really good play center field. Um, and, and, of course, you got Jared Dickey out there as well. But, uh, you know, you, when you have options like dryling, tears, merit and you're trying to figure out how to get those guys at bats um it looks like they're rolling with cal stark you know he's gotten the last six starts behind the play and what that means is Dickey can't catch therefore opening up a spot it's kind of good and bad you want those guys to get abs but kind of rolling the way you are right now you're guaranteeing you have two of those three whether it be tears dryling or merit who will come off the bench and can hit for you and can be late inning substitutions that really kind of upped your confidence saying, oh, we need a spark. Let's, let's go dry on Let's go tears or, you know, whoever, like in that eighth or ninth inning, just like Friday night.
1: Yeah, no, exactly. So for one, we have, what is it now? Six eligible outfielders, I guess, that can all yep. play a very good defense and can hit. So that means you can now mix and match your matchups. And let's say um, you really think, or like Cal starts the game and he's not doing too hot, whatever. You need some extra runs. Easily plug in Dickey, plug in another outfielder, let's go. Um, and then you still have two two uh, really good bats to hit for you later in the game. So I think what Tennessee has going on in the outfield right now with all the options, yes, we would like to see all the bats at once in the lineup. However, we know that's not possible. Um, but being able to, to plug in and play wherever you want based on matchups and then later in the game still have some extra juice – It's fantastic, and you know, it's it's in the other coach's mind too for who they're gonna bring in. They're like, oh, are we gonna bring in a lefty to face Merritt? Are we gonna bring in a righty to face, say, Tears or Dryling? You know, and so it's it's one of those things that just will get in the head of the other coach and just give us more confidence too that we got these big hitters that can play play a position and hit at any time. Do you happen
0: to know what the stat line is, or have any idea what the stat line is for uh, Dylan Dryling as a pinch hitter this year?
1: I'm assuming it's like a pinch hit Peter back in uh, 2021. (laughs) What is it like 500 with four home runs or something?
0: So this year at the time of his home run Friday nights, and I don't think he's pinched hit since then, but anyway, I think he was like seven for 10 as a pinch hitter with a home run, a triple, a double, two walks. Dude's a true freshman. I Mm -hmm. mean, dude's got some stones. I mean, we know he's going to be a good player, but what makes a good pinch hitter?
1: Uh, it's just someone who's who's ready you know there's it's so weird because it's such a um hard role coming off of off the bench usually it's seven innings you're sitting there you're trying to stay warm whatever but you just can't it's not like you're being in the game so um, i would say it's it's just being locked in you know really seeing what's going on in the game um making sure you're warm and loose and then of course just trusting yourself those pi- those the pinch hitters that come in and they're um, timid at the plate, you can tell. And those are the ones you're like, why are we doing this? But P- guys like Dryling, guys um, like Peter in and, and 2021, they were always, or 2020, I believe it was, they were always ready to hit, you know, and that's just ready to hit, have that aggressive confidence, but still being composed enough to not get too amped. And I, I think that's exactly what you see from Dryling. You know, he's kind of on, on cruise control whenever he gets in there. All right,
0: so now you you put yourself in a really good position you still need to win some series you still need, in my opinion need to get the lucky number 14 in, in the conference before hoover to really feel great about your chances of uh, getting to a regional but with sweeping vanderbilt now you're kind of reaching the part of the schedule to where it's like okay these are some really good opportunities to get some series wins mississippi state coming in going to georgia which georgia's been a little hot and cold i get that you'll have a challenge against kentucky and of course at south carolina I don't want to say like pressure's on now because seeing what you did against Vanderbilt, but in that clubhouse team leader, kind of how do you go from the high of that to saying, all right, Mississippi State, we're better than them. We need to win two or three. We need to go out there and sweep these guys.
1: Well, the first thing I'm telling them is, hey, let's just keep doing what we're doing. You know, Grab that little magic that we had this past weekend and keep it going. Um, I'm also letting them know, I mean, you never want to really think this way, but it is kind of crunch time. You have six series is to win six or sorry, four series is to win six games, Yeah, right? That'll get you a spot in the regional. I think with just the way our strength of schedule is 14 is that magic number, or you can think of it as you got four series is to win nine games, nine or 10 games to hopefully host. So either way you look at it, you know, you're in a good position and um, yes, the schedule is, let's say easier But, you know, you got a really good Kentucky team. You got an outstanding South Carolina team, who I think is um, better than LSU. I think if they had played that Sunday game, South Carolina would have won. That's neither here nor there. Um, But – and then you got a a Georgia team who's coming off of a a really big sweep of Arkansas. And you got Mississippi State who is – I want to say almost like us. You know, they got the pieces, but there's something there that – um, isn't allowing them to win ball games so I think we're going to take advantage of that they're coming to us this weekend we found a little bit of something um, we'll be fine there going into Georgia it's a hard place to play but not too bad but yeah we really just got to lock it in and and keep doing whatever we had we did for that bandy series
0: after researching for a couple hours uh, earlier this week I can tell you the problem with Mississippi State the offense in the issue it's it's the arms they, mm-hmm. they just haven't found any consistency, especially with starting pitching. Uh, Luke, man, appreciate it. It was a fun time chatting this week after some really good baseball. Hopefully we can do this thing the same way next weekend. And who knows? Tennessee has an opportunity to exit the weekend, a game over 500 in SEC play, but series sweeps are never a given in this league. So it'll be challenging. But, Luke, appreciate it, man. Thanks so much.
1: Uh, thanks, you too. I, uh, hopefully we'll be this happy next weekend. Next <laughs> week,
0: No doubt, man. We playing on it, all right? All right, see you. All right, that is Luke Lipsius, awesome, awesome guest here on The Porch each and every week. Big thank you to him, and big thank you to you for tuning in for another edition of The Porch. A big shout-out to our friends over at uh, Spivey King and Spivey LLP, incredible partners who are in it to help. They 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 want to make everything right. Uh, give them a call today and uh, for a free consultation also visit them on their website spivey king and spivey i have it on the rolling ticker if you're watching on youtube but incredible partnership and i'm so thankful for them for making the porch possible tennessee mississippi state thursday friday saturday hopefully weather will not intervene and um, two of those games to be on national television really, really looking forward to it, and hopefully Tennessee will come out with a series victory and make this thing really interesting. Heading on the road to Georgia uh, coming up next week. And guys, appreciate it. This is in The Porch, a ballless baseball podcast.